0: (laughs) so you know that went that went pretty well tried some things there um Okay, this is the Evil Podcast of Evil, the uh, the only show on the internet that dares to talk about the Joss Whedon Project, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, and yet has not come up with a conclusion on whether we should call it a film or a miniseries or, or a whatever.
1: A web series?
0: Um, I'm one of... <laughs> web series? Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm one of the hosts, Tyler Boudreaux.
1: I'm the other host, Condor Boudreaux.
0: And we have a very special guest today from formerly Mad Max Minute. And now his upcoming project is RoboCop
2: Minute. Uh, Rick Ingham, thanks for joining us. Why, hello, Tyler and Conjure. Thank you for having me back.
1: Thank you for coming back. We didn't scare someone away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm always worried because Rick is like super professional all the time. He like has like the charts and the he's got everything like super sorted out. I'm like,
2: ah, you flatter me. No, this time I took it easy. <laughs> I've only got my playback and the chord progression on the lyrics and all of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, I was very fortunate in the copy of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog that I was able to get my hands on. It had a ton of cool little extras like uh, wallpapers and wave recordings and the official comic. Whoa, cool. Although it's again, in Rick
1: a, stages this up.
2: It's in a CBR file <laughs> format, which I do not know how to open.
1: Oh, so, you just you yeah. export it and it'll open as an and in the Excel and like an Excel or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Rick, it's easy. I mean, I'm uh, I'm more of a hardware <laughs> type of guy. Point me at a pile of cables, I'll know what to do, but you show me HTML and I will literally shut down. So, I am not the <laughs> tech expert when it comes to villainy.
0: I, I recently watched the entire Matrix trilogy over the weekend and uh, I just like the idea of Rick staring at the like the descending numbers of the Matrix and just passing out.
2: Oh, yeah. Where Cypher was like, all I see is blonde and redhead and brunette. I would look at it and be like, I ain't see nothing.
0: <laughs> I see the inside of my eyelids. Exactly. Or the, the back of my skull because my eyes just rolled in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Dr. Horrible sing along blog.
1: We have a killer song today.
0: Yeah, well, no, it's it's not a it's not a song by the Killers actually, Condra. Yeah. It's a song written by, uh, Joss and uh, Zach Whedon.
1: It's a bop. That's what I was going for, Tyler. Not the Killers. It's oh. a jam.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, I misunderstood you there for a second. Always. Uh, so anyway, this this episode uh, runs from twenty five minutes five seconds to twenty six minutes fifty five seconds. It's actually one of our shorter segments of this show. But I still bet we'll talk for an hour. Hopefully not. Uh, Yeah, it mostly features the song Brand New Day, which is the kind of Dr. Horrible's descent into pure evil.
1: Could you say, if if we're going to go like Disney Renaissance terminology, it's his I Want song? Uh, I think
0: Freeze Ray is more his I Want song. Rick, what do you think?
2: I have to agree with you, Tyler. Freeze Ray is a lot of... These are my stated goals. These are my aspirations. Where brand new day is, uh, I don't is know. Is it if the let it a, go? I mean, it might it's be. It's his.
0: Can you feel the love tonight? It's the thing that transitions from act two to act three.
2: Yeah, I Literally. love that we're going with Lion King type lineups because this definitely isn't. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. It's definitely his. <laughs> be prepared, though.
0: Well, his be prepared is what he sings when he's freeze raid captain hammer yeah in a, um, act, episode three. Oh yeah
1: i i wouldn't even like say maybe it's um my eyes i feel like be prepared is more that where he's like combating his like it is that's more of his like this is my evil plan kind of song
0: i think in the general idea though that like a, a disney villain has their one song and that's it Doctor Horrible's song. Literally his theme is the is the three four dun 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 dun. And that song is the one in episode three whose title I'm blanking on. Oh, you're
2: talking about slipping? Yeah. Because that's the one that comes after everyone's a hero. Yes. yes.
0: Slipping is his like theme. Yeah. Okay. I'm starting to get it. <laughs> These totally arbitrary lines we're drawing. Yeah, totally makes sense.
2: This is years before Joss Whedon ever has anything to do with Disney-type stuff like the Avengers, so he's still very much off doing his own thing. Like, he'd done once more with feeling by this point, right? Yes, of course.
0: Yeah, Buffy was over, I
2: think.
0: (laughs) He was long gone.
1: I could see this being his—like, there is a core of his I want in this, like— the, especially the Australia bit, I, I I have very much I want vibe from this. <laughs> hmm.
0: Yeah, so I mean, let's just kind of break down the song then. Unless uh, we should probably ask Rick our kind of introductory question of like, wh- wh- when did you first see Doctor Horrible? What's your kind of relationship to it? If we weren't doing this podcast, when was the last time you watched it, etc.
2: I'd have to say, if not for talking about the horrible sing-along blog in this context, I think it's been maybe close to a decade since I last watched it. Like I remember it coming out, like it being a thing that I heard about and that I sought out to watch. And I thought, Oh, this is a cool little gimmick thing. That's, That's kind of an interesting thing. I know all of these people, I've enjoyed them and other stuff, but it never like made an effect on me. And so, yeah, I don't, think I've really watched it since like 2008 2009 when it came out
1: (laughs) so what was your experience watching it for this then
2: oh it was so strange because I was going into it wearing my nostalgia goggles thinking oh man I remember watching this and I like everybody that's in it and as I kept watching it like this is a story about some just awful people and the ordinary <laughs> schlubs that surround them. Like, Penny and Moist are just, like, so ordinary. And then Billy and Do- <laughs> uh, Captain Hammer are just such total, uh, I might as well just say, douchebags. Like, both of them. Neither yeah, of them I, are good.
1: They're just I think it's official people.
0: that you can swear on, on this show, right, Kandra? What What's the deal there?
1: We haven't decided.
0: All right. If you want to swear, you can swear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We but we did just commit uh, podcast bingo sins, so th- that's a thing, right? You know, you know podcast bingo. That's like, can we swear on here? That's like one of the the boxes that you would check.
2: But yeah, it was really tough to get into the mindset of okay, this is the person I'm rooting for. <laughs> when I mean, uh, I I had all day to try and collect my thoughts, and even now it's so hard to articulate them because I just. I can't get behind either of the heroes. All I can do when watching this is feel bad for the situation that Felicia Day's character of Penny has been put in. (laughs) Out of no choice of her own. Like, all of this is just being hoisted on her. She was going about her business, trying to do the good thing of opening a homeless shelter. And these two guys just invade her life and destroy it. And it is awful.
0: Yeah, I think an interesting yes. theme that we were talking about a couple weeks ago with Curtis Blaze is the uh, the idea that this whole show is revolves around just random chance. If Billy and Penny didn't happen to go to the same laundromat, or if Penny hadn't been there the day he was stealing the Wonderflonium, or if yeah, if if Captain Hammer didn't walk into the laundromat on this day, like what, like what, how would the circumstances have been different?
2: Hmm, it's a good question. Uh, I
0: it's very. It's very Tarantino in in that way that it's all just kind of chaos.
2: Yeah, but I think it also reflects Coen life ac- accurately. Like you never know oh, how yeah. the people you run into are going to affect your life for sure. So yeah, let's
0: let's kind of break down this song. Um, so the the it starts with kind of an awesome shot of uh, uh, zooming into Neil Patrick Harris's face. He's kind of ha- has this determined stare that kind of turns into an, his evil smile and it's very, with the kind of guitar riff comes in strong, and then he does this kind of fun, fast talk singing, and it's very, very delightful. Any thoughts there, guys?
1: Neil Patrick Harris is a force. All should fear. His, the clarity in his diction, I think, is really impressive because he is saying a lot of words very quickly, and, like, it definitely took me a minute and a few listens to be like, what? Okay, let's break this down, and also looking up the script. But it is, like, this intense... There's This is intense for him. Like, we haven't seen him at this level yet.
2: Oh, I really enjoy... As much as I dislike the character itself, I really like Neil Patrick Harris's portrayal of it because he's really tapping into all of the skills that he's developed over his long career between television and stage and film. And he's really... I don't want to say too good for this. <laughs> 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 but... For all the things that I've seen him in, he really elevates this just by his presence.
0: I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a large theme of what we've been talking about on this show is just like how Neil Patrick Harris takes this character, which, as you said, is so hard to root for, and it makes it a lot easier to root for Dr. Horrible.
1: It's like, I don't believe I would like this entire web series as much if it wasn't for, for Neil Patrick Harris.
2: Oh, Absolutely. Where you've got Simon Helberg in there as Moist. I mean, you see him come on stage, you're like, oh, hey, uh, Big Bang Theory. If they had gotten someone else from that show to take the Dr. Horrible thing, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> like, you need someone with the know. natural magnetic charisma of Neil Patrick Harris to rope someone in.
1: I'm just trying to imagine. you tell you telling me?
0: You tell me Jim Parsons doesn't have raw charisma. Oh, not in the
2: same way that <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris does. I oh, would actually, now that we bring it up, love to see Jim Parsons go head to head against Neil Patrick Harris just to see how it would actually turn out. But I imagine it would be very similar to like when Neil Patrick Harris shows up on the James Corden show, where it's not even a question. Yep.
0: <laughs> are, are you saying that James Corden is not as talented as Neil Patrick Harris? Oh,
2: I'm saying that in every sequence of the James Corden show where NPH shows up, he's always showing up, the host.
1: Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Or <laughs> even like during the Tonys when he does the Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better with Hugh Jackman. Yes. It's like, yes, you are correct, Neil Patrick Harris. You can do anything better than Hugh Jackman. <laughs>
2: Except be the Wolverine. Yeah. Now, I have not been able to listen to previous episodes because of production time and everything like that. But have you talked to John Parker yet from the bat Minute podcast?
0: No, I think he's on the, the he's on the list of guests, but we haven't talked to him yet.
2: Oh, excellent. Because Neil Patrick Harris, the most Niall, recent though. thing other than this, that I've seen him in was a bootlegged recording of Neil Patrick Harris. When he was in residency as Hedvig in Hedvig <gasps> and the angry inch yeah of course. Yeah. and big role for him. that role, oh my God, it was amazing what he was able to do on stage as a performer. and I mean i'm I'm not gonna say that one role is inherently better than the other because you're pretty much comparing apples to oranges at that point, but I mean, it's just the things that that man is able to do. he's it's almost not fair. <laughs> not only was he a child doctor. But then he went on to become so much. I mean,
0: I mean, in, in connection to your Paul Verhoeven experience, he becomes a, a, a future Nazi, too.
2: Yeah, a psychic future Nazi, might I add. A psychic and, future Nazi. Although I don't necessarily want to say that the government in uh, Starship Troopers is specifically the genocidal brand of fascists. They're more like the conformity at all costs sort of fascist. I mean, they're still fascist. I'm not trying to defund saying that one term (laughs) kind of fascism is good. It's just, you know, I I just I I don't want to think of my my dear darling NPH as the bad kind of fascist in a sci fi movie.
0: I mean, I I mean, the main comparison there is just literally the clothes he wears at the end of Starship Troopers are very, (laughs) very Nazi-esque. Yeah. We don't need to get into some Starship Troopers discourse right now. I could talk all day about that.
1: I
2: gotta say, that is going so far afield of the subject matter.
1: Is someone doing Starship Trooper, though?
2: I think it already happened. Um, it's already been done. Okay, yeah. that's what I, th- yeah. I wasn't uh, sure. Yeah, Johan did it, Chandra.
1: I lose track. There's so many of them.
0: Yeah, so yeah, they did They did Roughnecks, and then they moved on to Independence Day. So the guys who did oh. Independence Day.
1: Oh, okay. You've anyway, worked.
0: that's your Movies by Minute update. Uh.
1: Nice. So we have this intense intro bit of him staring down the camera and thanking Captain Hammer for figuring out, like, the issue he's been having on getting into the evil league of evil. And I don't think this is something we've ever really addressed is um, Dr. Horrible's kind of motivations for, like, the freeze ray and take, like, he's always said the status is not quo and he wants to get power into his own hands. But he also is saying that he swears to eliminate the worst of the plague that devoured humanity. And is that just his new mission put on by bad horse? Or is that was that underlying the thing the whole time?
0: That's like when he was talking to Penny and she was like he was like the 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 fish rots from the head. So I say cut off the head. He's got this twisted view of the problems in society where he knows how to fix them and so anything that is the status quo is wrong so he needs to destroy that and so he can implement his own views but his own views are so skewered of what's right and wrong that it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore
2: it's the classic anakin skywalker problem he's got high-minded <laughs> ideals and not enough intel no no not intelligence is the right <laughs> word he's got high-minded ideals but not enough information about how the world works to adequately understand what he needs to do in order to change it. Like Dr. Horrible is one opera scene and story of Darth Plagueis the Wise away from going (laughs) completely kill the younglings.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing here. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) His his transition from the quirky weird thing about me to... I like I'm going to do evil and I'm specifically going to kill this hero and like because before murder was off the table before for him but now it's now it's
2: his main goal I had to laugh when he was talking about how murder is such a simple thing and how there's no artistic merit to it no class And, and I was like. There are so many serial killers uh, out Rick, there. Like Rick, people can I stop who you love there? listening to podcasts, of course, listen love listening to true crime. But like, there are so many serial killers out there that revel in the artistic nature of the kill.
0: Can, can I stop you there? People who love listening to podcasts don't listen to true crime. Oh. Sorry, that was a little unnecessary shade, but continue. I
2: was about to say, <laughs> you can hang out under the bus here.
1: Different folks <laughs> for different.
2: St- different strokes for different <laughs> folks. Exactly, Conjure. Yeah, Let's yeah you get got, that got it. So on and so forth, and shooby dooby doo
0: Is that a reference to the theme song of the show, Different Strokes?
2: But yeah, I, ugh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but I think the... Actually, no, I, before I go into analysis, we should keep going through the sto- the, the song. I don't want to derail you too much.
1: You can go into analysis. We'll get there eventually.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that kind of bothers me about Brand New Day is how the thing that tips him off... And I know this is from the last episode, but like the thing that made him so angry was like Dr. or Dr. Horrible realizing that Captain Hammer was going to take his girl and the inherent possession involved. And it's just so cringy nowadays. <laughs> he yeah, has the really stalker
1: photo of Penny too in this minute or scene.
2: Yeah. Just mmm. So cringy. And I mean every time I say, you know, it's so this or that now it was always this or that it was always cringy it's just we have new uh perspective now we're older we know better
0: there's there's a line between like the evil version of like that's my girl you like how dare you touch my girl and like the very like middle high school thing of like ah like the girl i like likes another guy and like having angst about that
2: okay quick question then is dr horrible being angry about Penny being his girl the same as or is it the same or different than Forrest Gump being angry about Jenny being his girl like which Uh, one is is better how are they different Andre go ahead
1: Mm. Uh, I I think Forrest Gump's relationship with Jenny is not in a it's in a romantic way but not in a sexual way
0: it's very old timey
1: to put it bluntly, what
0: the Forrest Gump relationship is very old timey. Like he thinks, like that's my girl. Like, I'll, like I do anything for her. Like, and I, like he's got very like
1: he wants to take care. I think there's like a care element to it. It's like well being mentally and like physically and emotionally. Like he just wants her to be happy, safe, and healthy. Like it's not so much she's my possession. She's. I think it's like. Uh, Forrest thinks of, like, she, he, she's a dear one to him in the way, like, his mother was dear. But it's also, it's in a him. very,
0: like, baby boomer, like, sense, like, traditional values kind of way, where it's like, mm-hmm. like, those are the, those were the values of the time, is like, the man protects the woman, and the woman can't go stand out on windowsills because she's supposed to be in, the, <laughs> in the kitchen for the man or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Back in those old timey times where a, a woman couldn't get high on cocaine and stand on a, <laughs> a balcony edge, I mean, so so restrictive. But no, I think Condra,
1: I think she has an agent. Like Jenny has more agency though. That Forrest still understands that she has her own life and is like part of her. But as long as like she's okay and he knows that she's doing yeah. okay, then that's what matters well, to him. Where Doctor Horrible's like. Penny is mine, like belongs to me, is not just like dear to yeah, me.
2: Exactly. I think, Condra, I think you said it best that Forrest Gump wanted what was best for Jenny. He wanted to care for her. He didn't want to do what Billy wants to do, which is possess her. Like he wants to rule the world. He wants to have Penny. And he doesn't even know what he would do. He, uh, He's like a dog chasing a car.
0: <laughs> well, that's just a yeah. like. What's that's he just gonna A do? Joker illusion, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I actually caught one. Uh, that's my Heath Ledger's Joker impression.
1: I think, <clears throat> like, that's I think what ultimately bothers me so much about Doctor Horrible's relationship with Penny and like all the stalkery vibes is yes, he's portrayed as a villain. But what he does in relation to Penny is not always explicitly seen as an evil thing. So, like, him stalking her and memorizing her schedule and all of those things that, like, repeatedly come up, it's still played off as, like, an awkward, quirky, like, he's a socially kind of unnerved individual that doesn't know how to act around other people, not just women. I think other people is a broader way to put it, that makes his intentions even more terrifying
0: oh i think the thing is he and we've talked like the the, he's got that middle school vibe of like he likes the girl and he can have a conversation with the girl but it's so impossible for him to go from girl i'm talking to to girl i want to have a relationship with there's like there's no way he could ever make that progression because he just doesn't have the emotional maturity for it so yeah, um,
2: yeah. I don't think I could have said that better. <laughs> oh, thank you,
0: um, Rick, out here complimenting us. So good. Keep him going. <laughs> uh, just, just nourish Rick. Make sure he doesn't die. That's that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> water.
0: Yeah. Food, shelter, water, break. That's what you need. Um, so we transition to this kind of home video montage of like all these other times that captain hammer has beat up dr horrible and it's very funny
1: i've definitely used some of those like clips like those short things as uh gifts for like finals period like <laughs> how finals is treating me
0: <laughs> uh it's so good because it transitioned through like the season so like it's just a normal summer one and then you see like fall leaves and then it's like winter and there's like a a santa claus ringing a bell <laughs> He's still getting beat up.
1: And there's the holiday bells in the in the song too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it makes me wonder why Doctor Horrible even tries going near that building. Like, what's so special <laughs> about that building where he tried four separate occasions and was f- foiled four different occasions? Like, maybe sure, it's the
1: place stealing the Wonderflonium from.
2: Like he he spent enough time in between potential heists, you know, a good. Two to three months, one would assume, between each time, but even so, you got to give it up at some point. And hold on, wasn't it said earlier in this that the setting is like in California? Is it in Los Angeles? Correct. So, where is this in Los Angeles (laughs) that it is actively snowing and there is snow on the ground? And more to that point, Where are you going to find autumn leaves on the ground in Los Angeles? What is up with that?
1: On a movie set. Maybe
2: they're (laughs) on a movie set. Well, now I just want to believe that Captain Hammer isn't actually a superhero at all, and he's just an actor who's very method.
1: (laughs) Oh, my god. He's like
2: Heath Ledger's Joker.
1: (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis. Can we?
2: Man, I... I'm
1: totally for this now, and that would mean Nathan Fillion is, too.
2: Like, he's not actually... Like he's Captain Hammer, yes, but his actual real name is just Nathan Fillion, and he's putting on the Captain Hammer persona.
0: This is this like this is too meta for even me, and I like this court this sort of thing.
2: So like by the like during the day, Nathan Fillion is Hollywood actor Nathan Fillion, and then he throws on the t shirt and gloves and <laughs> goes out as Captain Hammer. And Doctor Horrible is an actual character, and he just has the poor luck to run into actor Nathan Fillion.
1: <laughs> it's like, is that is it really Batman or Bruce Wayne?
2: Right. Nathan,
1: is it Nathan Fillion or Captain Hammer?
2: Have either of you by any chance watched Big Mouth on Netflix? No, sadly. No. So there is a character in that show, without getting into spoilers, who is frankly obsessed with Nathan Fillion, and he lends his voice to a couple of different dream sequences that this character has, and it actually surprises me that in all of the times where he shows up, he's Mal Reynolds and never (laughs) Captain Hammer. And that's probably for good reason. Basically all of the reasons that we've discussed so far in this episode. Well, I feel like...
1: That makes me glad that Mal's still living on somewhere.
0: Yeah, Malcolm Reynolds is like the more universal Nathan Fillion character. This one is one people like, but... I mean, like, Malcolm Reynolds, there was also the thing where he was in, like, a Halo game, so there's that, too.
1: <laughs> he was also one of the villains in Monsters University.
0: Oh, yeah, Nathan Fillion's voice, yeah.
1: Yeah. That would have been funny if he'd have appeared as that monster from Monsters University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I want to cut back to um the this idea that Dr. Horrible's singing about. He's like, like, how can it be that you have shown me the light, is what he says, Uh, It's it's this weird villain trope of, like, the villain thanking the hero. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds I'll mention it again just because it's what's on my brain because I just watched it. But there's a scene in Matrix Reloaded where Agent Smith is like, thank you, Neo. You showed me my purpose in life, and now I'm going to try to beat you up. Like, what? what is this, like, what is this fake dramatic tension that we like to set up where we're like, ah, yes, the villain is thanking the hero, and the thing he's thanking him for is making him more of a villain.
1: I'm even thinking, like, <laughs> Boris the Animal in Men in Black 3. I, I think there's some of, even the Joker, like, yeah. there's this pent-up, venge- like, the fact that the villain's only motivation is, vi- like, revenge.
2: Yeah. And I think it's also a way for them to cast off the blame. Like when you go to someone and say, oh, thank you for for showing me the way to be evil. It's it's taking all of the blame for doing those evil things to say, oh, well, it's not my fault. It's this person for showing me this is how the world was. Yeah. So they're, they're still doing bad things. It's just they're taking that responsibility and throwing it on someone else. Yeah, it's
0: like uh, Eddie Brock thanking Spider-Man for making him Venom.
2: yeah. And it works
0: particularly well with characters that are foils or opposites. So, yeah, this revenge aspect of the their character dynamic, uh, it, we cut to um, Neil Patrick Harris singing and throwing darts at a dartboard with Captain Hammer's face in the middle. But, of course, he misses Captain Hammer's face, so he goes over and picks out all the darts and just places them in with it by hand in his face.
1: It's a very bad cluster. He's not very good at darts.
0: Yeah, I mean— that's kind of the irony of the uh, whole, that, that's like the joke is that like there's always scenes in movies where they're like throwing darts at their enemies' faces and they 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 always hit it. And then so the joke here is that, oh, he missed. Foreshadowing?
1: Foreshadowing? I,
2: <laughs> I would like to think that he missed because of the gigantic gloves he's wearing. Those cannot be great for dexterity.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I wonder how comfortable they are. They
0: must be super comfortable and warm.
2: Oh, I'm willing to bet they are very warm because they're probably extra thick because they are resistant to heat and caustic damage. I mean, if he's a doctor of horribleness, he's definitely not a doctor of evil. Uh, Well, he didn't go to evil
0: medical school, so...
2: Exactly. (laughs) If he's messing around with a lot of caustic ingredients, he'd want the adequate amount of protection. Just not great for fine-tuning freeze rays.
0: Say what you want about Dr. Horrible. He always has protection. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: okay that was a joke i said <laughs> uh,
2: so uh, i took it as a joke
0: thank you uh, i was
1: uh, i rolled my eyes yeah, that, but you can't hear that because it's a non-visual medium
0: <laughs> i was yeah i was more pointing out condor's lack of reaction uh,
1: <laughs> so and and while we are in dr horrible's home we get this weird shot of him from the side in this chair he's like climbing up in this chair and he's gazing at this image of Penny from a stalker angle and then it turns to face the chair head on and the chair is massive
0: yeah it's awesome big chair
1: I just want a big chair now that's what I wrote in my notes I I, I
0: wrote big chair exclamation point exclamation point
1: I also wrote big chair but I didn't write exclamation point
2: I love the idea of the big chair but the downside of a chair of that size is how much real estate it takes up in the room you've really got to have a space that can accommodate something like that yeah like his lab must have a nice wide square footage. Do you think he has like to a to put something that large? Do
0: you think he has like a like a bigger smaller gun that we just like 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 Ant-Man style he can make things bigger and smaller?
2: Ooh. Could be. That
0: sounds fun. Might.
1: That's very like maniacal. He, I feel like I've seen that before in other things before Ant-Man. He's
0: in he's an expert in rays. Like it's well to to harken back, Shrink it's, ray. it's like sky high logic. Like there, like you 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 make you make rays, and the ray either makes things bigger or smaller, or makes you older or younger, yeah. or just one of those things.
2: Yeah, he's an expert in rays, like Sugar Ray and Stevie Ray, <laughs> and uh, ray... ray from
1: *Prince and the Frog*.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's also an expert in Ra, the Egyptian sun god,
0: but that's a totally different thing.
1: So, what about? Australia is shiny and new. Oh, hold on. When he takes over the world. Hold on. Okay, so. Did he get rid of all the sand? I
0: have, I have two things about this. Okay. One, first I want to say that the the big chair, I'm pretty sure I read online that it was a it was just a big chair that was like on set wherever they were from another project and they were like, "Ah, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he was sitting sitting in a big chair?" And so that's what they did. I don't obviously <laughs> That's probably the only origin story, if that makes sense. I'm sure they didn't write, and then he sits in a big chair. Like, it was probably just, oh, we have a big chair. Let's just fun shot. Okay. Uh, And then, shiny new Australia. Yes. Okay. Does every child at some point have a plan to take over the world, and then they tell their friends which continent they will give them?
1: I mean, I did.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right, because there are a lot of kids out there that play Risk. And the idea of world, the idea of conquering the world is cemented in that board game. So you think, oh, well, you know, if I took over the world, sure, you can have Australia. It's only worth two additional troops per turn. That way you can't (laughs) overthrow me. And it's pretty isolated. So you don't have to worry about too many people invading it. As long as you shore up troops in New Guinea, you should be fine. Yeah.
0: All those eight-year-olds playing Risk. (laughs) Risk Risk is a pretty terrible game.
2: It requires a certain mindset to play. To say that it is fun in all regards is honestly pushing it a little bit. Now, I, it can be quite stressful and friendship straining at times.
0: <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm in no way an, a fan of this intensive a strategy game. But I would rather play something like Twilight Struggle than Risk.
2: <laughs> now, going back to Australia being shiny, I have to wonder because. This came out in 2008, and then seven years later, a little documentary by the name of Mad Max Fury Road came out, where (laughs) one of the main themes of that movie is how the War Boys wanted to ride shiny and chrome to Valhalla. Mm, So considering that Fury Road began development in the late 90s, it could be that Whedon heard about it and knew enough about it that... When he referenced Australia in this song, he knew that the warlords of Australia were teaching their war boys that they should be shiny and chrome when they sacrifice themselves. So when Dr. Horrible says shiny Australia, he's talking about all of the war boys with the chrome paint on their face.
0: Okay, I'm going to say this. As a general fan of movie theories, seen, uh, room 2... 237 go out and watch it conspiracy theories about the shining and as a member of the hamilton college conspiracy theorists club um rick uh, no th- uh, this is not acceptable <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh you wound me with your words
1: savage
2: i was welcomed so warmly and yet, uh, no, and yet.
1: you know rick i liked your theory
0: it's like thank you Condra. It's like when it's like when in Fury Road when he when uh when Immortan Joe puts the the chrome on the dude's mouth and then he fails and then he's just like laying in the desert like well, well I I I'm dead
2: now. That's what I just did to you.
1: You're dead now?
2: Rick dead? I'm no, I'm just try I'm just trying so hard to let it pass because I want to do the classic nerd thing. And say the words, um, actually, but I am trying so hard not to. No, go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. You caught, me in, it. A, you caught me in a feedla- feedback, feedback loop. <laughs> no,
0: no, you're legally allowed to, um,
2: actually. I'm um, actually if it's a Tyler. Movie you've I love done, doing it.
1: It's minute. so much fun. Yeah. Um,
2: actually, once Nux is sprayed directly by Morton Joe and told to pike Furiosa in the spine, he's thrown onto the Warrig and he fails because his chain gets caught in the floor and then he kind of tumbles off the side but he does not lie in the dirt dead he hangs off the side of the trailer and that's where you get the iconic line from a Wharton Joe who says mediocre and then Nux climbs back onto the tra- uh, the trailer and then hides curled up in a fetal position in the back of the trailer until he's discovered by Riley Kioff's character capable later on in the movie so he's never dead per se he's just licking his wounds and feeling sad for himself okay uh, this you put me in that situation. I hate being in that situation. No, I you can hate, accept it. You you made me sound pedantic. I don't. I don't. You are
1: expert. You are the expert of Max of Mad Max, though. So like, we're not gonna knock you there. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard me, <laughs> you but we just did it.
0: I I earlier I said if it's a movie you've done, movie by minute, you're allowed to. I'm actually. That's the
2: one rule I I oh, okay. I, said. I like that idea. So I, I don't have to be in pain as much anymore.
1: <laughs> Wait. Does that mean the only people that are allowed to um actually about Star Wars? Yeah. I'd be okay yeah, with that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would be brilliant.
0: Or if it's a specific minute that you guessed it on.
1: Only that minute though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um
1: I like this new rule. I'm here for it.
0: All right. So let's try to
1: take down nerd gating.
0: Let's let's try to wrap up brand new day. Uh the kind of the final bit of it is that there's he's He's, we're kind of, like, looking up at his face, and there's a lens flare off of his uh, goggles. Very, uh, uh, what's, who's lens flare guy? What? Michael Bay. No, other. Michael oh, Bay. Oh, J.J.
2: Abrams. Yeah,
0: J.J. J. Abrams.
1: Abrams?
2: Yeah, J.J. J. Abrams. J.J., <laughs> <laughs> J., baby, give us that lens flare. <laughs> now, I love the idea that you brought up earlier that he's got some sort of shrinking and growing ray, because then you could co-opt that idea into this final i guess dream sequence part where he's massive and steps on hammer because then you could expand dr horrible to not so much be strictly you know freeze rays he could also be a growing and shrinking villain like a bad version of ant-man
0: yes like the hornet in ant-man (laughs) one
2: exactly
0: uh, yeah it, it's not immediately clear That it's a dream sequence like I guess I have I've Always known that it was kind of just like a hypothetical Sequence and not not Literal but yeah I guess if You were watching it for the first time how, how, how Do you know that it's fake <sighs>
1: So I think there's some Pre-established idea of dream Sequence in the Earlier scene in act one Where he was dancing with Penny in the laundromat mm. So And that sudden tr- transition To like different lighting I think the lens flare helps under oh, like for sure est- establish some dream sequence to it also I wonder if like the giant chair like I have this weird thing I was having this weird thing where I was like oh giant chair he becomes a giant is there some sort of like psychological reasoning for this like excessive size
0: yeah um d- did anyone have any comments on the lyrical content of this song it's ca- it's kind of straightforward it's just it's a bu- it's a bunch of just cliches, which he sings really well, but it's just kind of this idea that like, You've you've beaten me up so many times, but now I'm gonna I'm now I'm gonna get you. It's a brand new day.
2: I find it interesting that at the beginning of the song he's talking about how all the birds are gonna sing that Captain Hammer's gonna die, but then by the end of the song he upgrades from birds to angels. angels.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a funny one. Chondra, any other observations bad
1: horse like the lines about bad horse like just fit so well in it like that's his motivation is like he's gonna show bad horse like that is it he he just like wants to be in the ele like
0: yeah which is interesting because it's not like i'm gonna show penny it's it's i'm gonna show bad horse
1: yes he's gonna show bad horse and penny will see so penny's (laughs) still passive
0: oh yeah well that's technically active in brammer but I,
1: it's I, active, but he's. It's the intention is not for her. Yeah,
2: yeah. I see what you mean. She's I a mean,
1: consequence.
2: She's not going to have any uh, agency in the situation. He says she may cry, but her tears will dry when I, you know, give her the keys to a shiny new Australia. She do- She's not going to have the choice. She's going to be up- upset about this, but she won't be able to reject me because I will have the power over her and I will try to placate her with gifts. Yeah, we
0: love power dynamics. Woo. <laughs> uh, speaking of um, winning women's loves with your not-so-noble n- deeds, Rick, any thoughts on where Dr. Horrible stands in your kind of 2019 lens? This is kind of our transition to the end of the show.
2: Ah. Uh...
1: Namely, I... like, incels, that kind of stuff. Like, thinking about uh, internet radicalization today, yeah, we've noticed some uh, striking parallels.
2: I definitely see the parallels. I don't know if Dr. Horrible fits the cookie-cutter stereotypical incel role, but he's definitely got a lot of the rhetoric internalized. The idea that he is great and she is someone who should recognize him and yet it's by her own failing that she doesn't uh, the idea that he's there all the time and oh, if he could just say those words she would fall in love with him so I mean it's sort of like that's where the involuntary part comes in for the incel uh, terminology but just the idea that she needs to stay in her place mm, yeah. you know that's the really toxic part of it that you know, she can she can exist as an object of admiration to him, but when she approaches him of her own volition, that she then becomes a distraction.
0: Yeah, you, you just kind of made me think of this idea in a way that Captain Hammer kind of has an advantage over Dr. Horrible, is Captain Hammer allows himself to kind of do the right thing under the influence of Penny. He, like, it may just be a scheme for, like, him to sleep with her, but when penny needs help doing the homeless shelter captain hammer does the right thing at no point does dr horrible ever consider yeah i'll I, like i'd gladly help with the homeless self- shelter other than just signing his name on a paper which is essentially meaningless he, he never yeah. his perspectives like, on the world are never ever close to changing
2: i think the important thing with captain hammer and dr horrible the way they go about penny's aspiration of opening the homeless shelter is That if either of them... So Captain Hammer, he helps Penny because he will get something out of it. And that's not necessarily more noble. Yeah. Like all of the montage elements that show him and her together, she's always actively engaged and he seems very disconnected. She holds very little value to him, especially once he realizes that... Penny is the object of Dr. Horrible's affection or aspiring affections.
0: Yeah. I think my other idea was just that like hypothetically, let's say act three doesn't happen and just Captain Hammer and Penny keep, keep their relationship up. Captain Hammer would kind of eventually realize that the thing that he gets more credit for is this kind of humanitarian like stuff and not the beating up the bad guys.
2: Perhaps. I it's just interesting. more see him growing bored. <laughs> that could also Penny. happen.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. I entirely agree there. Like, I think he makes a comment later about, like, he's never been with the same girl twice. Like, there's a reason there.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Alrighty. Any any other final thoughts on Dr. Horrible sing-along blog from Rick Orchandra?
2: I think it's an interesting... I think it's an interesting little time capsule, going back to the time following Buffy, right around uh, Firefly. You know, that 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 time at the end of the twenty at or the the end of the aughts, where we were in an interesting situation where the internet was becoming oh so much more prevalent, and blog and video blogs were such a thing. You know, it's it's an interesting little peek into the past.
1: Yeah. That is a good point, like, thinking about where we've grown from there and how there are so many, like, independent YouTube creators today that create works on this level without the name of Joss Whedon and how that's just kind of our new normal.
0: And the thing that always impresses me is how predictive this web series is of the the trends that would come about in later superhero films and – and obviously in the kind of internet culture as we've been talking about now. So it, it's a time capsule that's ahead of its time in in that very interesting yeah. way, which makes it fun to look back on.
2: And it features a lot of that really quotable Whedon dialogue that he's known for. Oh, for sure. Definitely. It's really easy to go back and just toss in things from this series. Hey,
0: speaking of memorable dialogue, Rick, uh, anything that you want the listeners to remember about you so that they can go and find your projects out in the world?
2: Oh, well, if people want to hear more from me, I have a little project I like to call the Mad Max Minute, which they can find by going to madmaxminute.com. We're a little four-season-long podcast that started back in 2017 going through each of the Mad Max movies one minute at a time and we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify I'm assuming. I've done my best to try and put all of the content in as many places as possible but whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, just search for Mad Max Minute. You'll be able to find it all somewhere there on the internet. Perfect. Kondra, what about us? Where can people find us?
1: People can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. They can find you i.e. Tyler on the Twitter
0: yeah make sure you check out our old show Fantastic Mr. Fox which we are done with and uh Condra any any other Fantastic Mr. Fox reflections now that we're a couple months out
1: time is irrelevant we're all dying (laughs) what is life
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that 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 is an existential crisis that is within Fantastic Mr. Fox uh precedent so there we go
1: (laughs) I have it many a times. Listen to me have existential crises on in recording. It's fun.
0: Anyway, yeah, this has been the Evil Podcast of Evil. Check us out next time for episode nine, which will be the beginning of part three of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Until then, uh, I've been Tyler Boudreaux, the podcast king of Chicago.
1: I've been Condra, queen of the night.
2: And I've been Rick Ingham, general calamity. Ooh, that's awesome.
1: Amazing! <laughs>
2: All right, yeah, goodbye.
0: We can't top that. Nope, farewell. keep, Keep it evil.